Hello from my quarantine bunker, which is why you're not going to see me in today's video. So while I was sitting here in my quarantine bunker, I saw two days ago that Amy Thompson, the founder of ATM Artists, dropped a free ebook on managing groups. And I found this interesting since she's managed groups like Swedish House Mafia for 15 years and built them up from nothing. She also handled marketing for Kanye West during the Yeezus period, which is the best period of his work in addition to also managing groups like Seal and DJ Snake. As someone who wrote a book on the music business and updates their own book every single year, whenever I see there's a new book written by someone with authority and not just another social media con artist, I immediately head straight to it and dive in. So in this video, I'm gonna go over my top takeaways from this book. Hi, I'm Jesse Cannon, this is Museformation. So this book is about 150 pages, even though it's 300s, but most of their pictures are written in a 900 point font so that they take up tons of the page. I was able to read it in about an hour and a half, and even in that time, I took some breaks. And as you'll see, I took a ton of notes. So I decided to make a video about it because I wanted to go deeper on the stuff that I cover, which is how to take your music from zero to 10,000 fans. Since most of this book focuses on when you're in a signed act and you're getting contracts every single day. Now, I should say, I also recommend this book even if you're not one of, one of those people. For a free book, it's amazing. I hold the belief that books are much more about spending time thinking about a subject and gaining epiphanies and the thoughts they provoke. As long as you get lots of good thoughts out, you're just devoting time to a subject to think about it and get inspired. But this book is about a 10,000 feet view written about artists doing massive deals. I should say, if I was teaching a course on artist management, after someone had graduated beyond my book and gotten a band to a stage where they had tons of deals all the time, I would have them read this book next. But I think it's a little advanced for most artists. So let's go over some of her really good thoughts. The first one is, what is a manager? First off, she does an amazing definition of what a manager does. That's an incredible lens to see what you do as a manager through. She defines the managerial role as, to take the artist's vision and get it to the right consumers who will appreciate it, to explain it to everyone you need to magnify it, to manage those who you task to work with you, and to plan out the journey of a career in a way which creates a long-term strategy. You are a catalyst. I find this particularly interesting since the first sentence says a lot. It's an attitude I think a lot of people missed in that there is the art the artist makes, but the job of the marketing person or manager, two terms I'm going to use interchangeably in this video since they are one and the same. That job is to find the people who appreciate the artist's music and get the artist's art in front of these people and develop innovative tactics to do so. As well, the rest of this paragraph speaks to what I think is missing by many DIY artists, which is that the manager needs to be good at saying why people should be excited about an artist and get people on board, and why this artist is exceptional. And the better you are at telling people that, the more often you're going to get doors open for you. One of the things she discusses is the thing I tend to see helps about half of the artists, and then the other half find thinking like this repulsive. She looks at a brand pyramid which roadmaps the moves you're going to make to build up to being a big artist so you can concentrate on the current steps and how it works. She also uses the analogy of runways, meaning that you can't play Coachella or any big festival two years in a row, so she sees it as you have to always keep moving, you need to think about how you're going to alternate the things you do on a map and keep flying to different places and making different choices strategically since you can't hit the same notes over and over again. This quote in particular is fantastic. Ask yourself, with each thing of consequence you agree to, what does it do for us and what would be next? Always know the next move. Sometimes it changes. You play the show and you trend in worldwide and you skip the next move for one after that. She even talks about a three-year calendar. Now, when you don't have 100 fans, this can be a ridiculous, but for a lot of people, this helps keep their motivation and their head on what they should be doing each day and what they're working towards. 
Three, she discussed the thing that I hear discussed all the time, and I think her perspective on it is amazing, which is, can you make a single work after your album is out? Here's what she says. It's the million-dollar question. You used to drop one or two singles, one of them the day of the album, then two or three more. Name me the last artist which achieved this. Radio is less and less relevant, so once your album is on streaming, you will have asked for focus from fans on a lead single from that day, maybe with a video or heavy social content. Fans will also surprise you in stream tracks you perhaps overlooked. However, I have tracked this over and over again. Artists just dropping a video later to bring a song new life increases streams by only 2 to 5%. Unless your video is literally game-changing, it does add a new layer, and it does increase streams via YouTube. I have not seen anyone really achieve chart leaps if that's what you were going for. So what does this do? Well, it means you now need to release all singles pre-album, or save only ones where the videos are killer, or perhaps also link to a huge sync or in a movie. You can activate radio to pick up on one song if you're a big artist on a major label with radio stations who love you and they agree to go with it however is the album the last thing you do nope you are putting up tours and the end of the day you are super proud of the album this is where i would think brand pieces come out this is where you take a track you love which literally says who you are and make a self-indulgent video which literally just lets you flex about who you are expensive maybe but it's my dream to do this i've rarely been allowed this is going to be the last memory of this record make art make it the thing you use to send to Kendrick Lamar because you want him on your next album and he is blown away by your vision. This is like the door closing and you opening up the next door to the next phase. Make it count. Kendrick is not going to look back and see if the video you put up went into the global top 50. He won't even look at how many views it has. He's looking at you. He's going to watch what you stand for, what your vision is, and if he fucks with it. I think that's such a good view on all this, and it further talks about why I say you need to put the album out last, pretty much, and that you need to be releasing constant singles all the time, and this really reinforces that. Four, ask more questions and shoot your shot. She says, it can never hurt to ask. I once asked Martin Scorsese to direct a video for me. And you know what? His team took the call. And even though it wasn't possible, I stayed in touch and we did something else together with another one of their clients. If you have a good idea, ask. I once emailed Jimmy Iovine, who I hadn't seen for three years, and said I had a great song for his new Beats campaign. I sent it and was in his house the next day and confirmed for the Christmas campaign. I actually have a lot of trouble with this regularly, personally, in my life. I see learning how to reach out to people as a muscle and one I struggle with keeping in shape. I have to do it all the time and still get anxiety anxiety about it, but I've learned the more I do it, the easier to keep doing it. And it really is this muscle analogy. When I'm exercising regularly, everything is easy to do to reach out to people. But once I stop doing it, I get atrophy and it's harder and I get all this anxiety. Whereas when I do it regularly and I keep doing it and doing it, I get in a zone where I'm constantly able to do it with no thought. Five, contracts. Her view on contracts is very interesting one. And I think most novices in the music business don't get it. I get so many questions about contracts, but in my 20 years of signing them, it never stops surprising me how little they mean. Here's what she says. They are documents outlined to confirm the promises you make to each other and how long you keep them. Most of what they contain is not government law. Therefore, there can be no two ever the same. Obviously, there are laws to prevent stealing your work, but is a royalty rate a law? No. It's a structure of a deal. Law? No. Is an agency you hire only able to charge you a certain fee? No. Is the way you are confined to sell music limited to streaming downloads and physical? No. These rules are simply what happened before you. Evolving as managers like you over the time pushed one inch at 
at a time. Yes, you may have to be massive to create an entire new deal structure or get paid every day by your label. Everyone has learned what is cost efficient of huge machines to slow to change, but change can happen. Push, push, push. I really identified with this personally since when I got Man Overboard and Transit signed to Rise Records, I got unprecedented deals. My lawyer had been working the business for 30 years, said he had never seen anything like this, but it was because we created so much demand that we were able to dictate terms. And she's exactly right here, that we have to see contracts as different than just laws. Six, press training. I've never seen this in any book, but as someone who's done a bunch of press training for musicians over the years, this is great advice. And I would follow this unless you're doing a long form interview or a podcast interview. She says, press training. The best piece of advice here behind turn up sober and don't be rude is this. When you have answered the question, stop speaking. Silence forces the other person to carry on. Journalists, when asking sensitive questions, are trained to not ask another question. So you keep going. When you keep going, this is normally when you start saying too much. For example... Journalist, so what do you think of Diplo? And the journalist knows you have some online beef. You, you know, we fight, but we have love. I respect other artists. We all have our role. Journalist, silence. You, two choices. Keep going and end up getting into the beef to be quoted on 50 blogs in 50 minutes, or you stay silent. If he or she does not move on, you just say, dude, I just answer that. Let's move on. Point seven, she talks about layers. I thought this look was very interesting. Here's what she says. Layers are what I call the different approaches to reaching out to who you want to reach. Having layers of different types of activity achieves so much. Layers are what I call the different approaches to reaching who you want to reach. Having layers of different types of activity achieves so much. It stops fans getting bored. You appear to be doing more than one thing, but actually you are constantly promoting yourself. It allows you to talk to different types of fans. Some things mean you can use it more than one way. For example, when Swedish House Mafia made their first film, Take One, we used it for fans to approach film online in a better way and engage them in bigger ways. As a manager, I used it for record company execs and journalists who were not quite taking us seriously and would not commit to coming to a show at one. I am to come to a cool cinema and experience us there. I also used it to get film press, a press set of readers that I had been unable to access. And those readers included brand managers who love good film reviews in their Sunday papers. One brand deal we did indeed came from this. Layers, my friend, layers. Another example is the Swedish House Mafia book. What she's saying here is a thing I've talked about before on this playlist, which is you really need to diversify your promotion strategies to reach different types of audiences. And she makes great points in this section here about that. That's it. I hope you enjoyed this video. And if you want more, I have her book linked below so you can get it and read it yourself. Thanks. That's it. Am I missing anything? Is there any way you would have done this? I need to know your questions and what no one else is telling you since I want to answer them. So leave them in the comments. I hope you liked this video. And if you did, please like and subscribe and get notified for my future videos since I'm going to be breaking down the concepts in this video along with tons of others on promoting your music and how to make music you're more happy with. As well, I have a Facebook group that's linked below that is only helpful information. No one tried to sell you anything, playlist or con artists, only helpful information for musicians looking to be better themselves. If you want to learn more about me, make a record with me, or check out any of my books, podcasts, or anything else I do, head to jessecannon.com or at jessecannon on any of the socials. Thanks for watching. One last thing, if you liked this video, there's two playlists here with tons more videos that you'll probably enjoy. One's about how you promote your music and the other's about how you make songs you're happy with. Otherwise, you can hit the subscribe button here to see the rest of my videos. Thanks so much for watching.